Thanks for joining us online today. If you'd like to join the conversation, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hope that you'll enjoy this message. I hope over the last couple of weeks you got to chill a little bit, relax, spend time with family, open presents, enjoy yourself, hunt Easter eggs. I hope you got, I hope you did it all, like all of it, all of it. Well, everybody, I'm so excited. I can't believe 2016 is here. Like this is crazy, crazy, crazy that 2016 is here. And so uh, as as we were thinking about this first weekend of the year and how we kick off our our new year together, here's what I want to do. Here's the thought that we came up with, and that is this. I I would love as a pastor, as your pastor, I would love to have coffee with you. And here's the deal. I remember back when our, our church was young in the, in the movie theater days. Those of you who don't know our story, we started 13 and a half, almost 14 years ago now, uh, at meeting, and we started meeting at the Bell Tower Movie Theater. And so back then, when our church was small, and we had, you know, 100 or 200 people, like, I was the primary assimilation method of Next Level Church. Like, you would come into the theater, and I was like, if I can just have lunch with them or have coffee with them, like, I know we can, you know, and I'd, hey, my name is Matt. Want to have coffee? I'm telling you, there were so many times I would come home from having coffee with someone, a new couple or whatever in the church, and I would say to my wife, honey, like true extrovert, right? Honey, we totally need to go on vacation with them. To which she was like, no, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't, Matt. We don't need more friends. We don't need more best friends. Like, we're not going on vacation with everybody. Sorry. And I'm like, yeah, but they're totally cool. So, like, I remember those days where I, I could have coffee with everyone. And, of course, now that, that, when, that we're multiple campuses and seven services and uh, over 5,000 people call our church their home and over 3,000 people attend on any given weekend. Like, obviously, it's impossible for obvious reasons that I can't have coffee with all of you because... Quite honestly, I don't need that much caffeine and other obvious reasons. But so, so here's what I thought. I thought, you know what? What if we did the next best thing? What if to kick off 2016, what if we could do a message like this called, if you and I could have coffee? Because here's the deal. As a pastor, I'm called to go first and I'm called to lead and kind of lead the way and take good notes. And so, so here's what I did. Over the last few weeks, I've been reflecting on some of the lessons I learned in 2015 that I think can be helpful for you in 2016. So why don't we do that? Come on. This is kind of the next best thing. Let's, let's do that. If you and I could have coffee, and, and so I'm, I'm here. I've got my journal because I would bring that if we were going to have coffee. The only thing I'm missing, I guess, is coffee. Is there any way I can get some coffee? Anybody around here? Pastor Shane! Yes! Thank you, sir. Love it. Love it. Thank you. That ain't coffee, bro. What'd you put in there? What is happening right now? That, let's see how long that lasts up here with Mr. Excited. 
<clears throat> right? Okay, so, so let's do this. Come on. If you and I could have coffee, what would we talk about? Well, uh, I'll go first. Uh, you know, so for me, it, what are some things that I've learned in 2015? that I think can be helpful for you in your 2016. And so when you came into whatever service you're in, uh, you were handed a bulletin. Go ahead, pull that out, because inside of there's a slip of paper with some fill-in-the-blanks, just a way for you to follow along with my train of thought as we talk about five things that I've learned in 2015 that I think can be a help to you in 2016. So if you and I could have coffee, the first thing I would probably talk about is I would talk about in 2015 that I learned the power of cloudiness and clarity. I learned about the power of cloudiness and clarity. See, here's the deal. In order for us to make progress in any area of our life, and of course, as you and I move into 2016, we all have goals and hopes and dreams, and some people, you know, you're resolution people, and that's great, and some people, you condemn the daylights out of resolution people, and that's kind of your resolution, is to make sure you don't ever make resolutions, resolutions are stupid and of the devil, got it, we're fine, relax, have some coffee, chill. (laughs) Goodness gracious, okay? But here's the deal. All of us, right? New Year's is kind of that time where we look long in our life and we go, man, what do I want the next year of my life to look like? And what are some of the changes and things we want to make and progress I want to make? Okay, here's the deal. If you and I could have coffee, the first thing I would share with you is that if we're going to make progress in any area of our life, it will only happen when there is clarity. My family, uh, my wife's family lives over in West Palm Beach, and so uh, we spent the latter part of this last week over there and celebrated New Year with, our, with her family and so forth. And uh, so we were driving back, on the night we were driving back from West Palm, it was kind of raining and sprinkling, and so uh, I noticed on the windshield was kind of this like, this like greasy, oily, grime type stuff because the car was parked under a tree at her brother's house, and so there was kind of this junk on it, whatever. And so when it started to sprinkle and rain on, on the windshield, I turned on the windshield wipers. And while we were driving home at night, and so all of a sudden, though, the first, man, the minute I turned on the windshield wipers, all of a sudden, like, instead of it clearing the stuff away, because there was kind of that greasy oil, whatever, on my windshield, all of a sudden, the whole thing just, like, fogged up. Like, it just got really cloudy and messy and just gross. And so Sarah, you know, instantly looked at me. She's like, what can I do? Do you need the defrost on? Whatever. And so I hit the little sprinkler thing, you know, to make it, like, rain on your windshield all of a sudden. Boom, you know, to try and clear that stuff off. And here's, here's what I noticed. I noticed that the minute there was fog or cloudiness on the windshield, guess what I did? Instinctively, I hit the brakes. Instinctively, I went, you know what? I got to slow down. I gripped the wheel a little tighter and I had to kind of lean in and focus. Why? Because the windshield was cloudy. But the minute all of that grease and grime started to clear off of there, guess what? I could resume normal pace. I could resume a normal appropriate speed for the road that we were on. And see, the same is true for us in any area of our life, that if you and I have cloudiness, wherever there is fogginess or cloudiness in any area of our life, and business leaders, this is a great principle for you. Listen, if there's any area in your family, in your your workplace, whatever, wherever there's cloudiness, it's always going to cause you to hit the brakes, slow down, grip the wheel harder, and, and lose time and efficiency. But wherever we can bring clarity to our life, in those areas, we're going to be able to run. Habakkuk, who is, who is a prophet in the Old Testament, said it this, but this way. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Look at, these, look at these verses. He says this, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision down. Write the vision and make it plain upon tablets or tables, so he may run with it. Who reads it? Verse 3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. In other words, it hasn't happened yet. It's a vision of what we want to see come to pass. But 
At the end, it shall speak and not lie. In other words, it's going to happen just as God wants it to happen. Though it tarries, in other words, and though it takes a while, wait for it. Wait for the vision. Why? Because it will surely come. It will not delay. What is, what is the prophet saying here? He's saying, listen, God has this desire for your nation, for this people. And for us, in 2016, we all have this desire of what we believe is possible to live up to our full potential this year. And Habakkuk the prophet says, listen, write the vision down. Make it plain. Get clarity. Why? Because then whoever reads it can run with it. So when you read it, you can run with it. When a team member at your workplace reads it, they can run with it. When your wife or your husband reads it, when your kids, come on, come on. How do we make progress in our life? If you and I could have coffee, you know what I would say? I would say the way you and I make progress in our life is by getting clarity in whatever area we want to get clarity in. I'm a big reflection guy. So right around this time of year, I do a lot of reflecting. And so I'll go back through my journals from the past year and I'll reread things and I'll look at them and I'll, I'll look at my travel schedule and my calendar and the places we went and the places I spoke and, and I want to analyze and reflect on my year. You know why? Because I want to learn as much as I possibly can from last year so that I can make improvements and do better next year. So come on, what about you? How much reflecting have you done? See, most of us, some of us, You've looked at 2015 and you're like, thank God it's over. Let's move on, okay? And, and I've got a few areas where that's true for me, but here's, here's what I want us to know. I think it's possible that some of us were leaving some meat on the bone where learning is concerned, that we've got to take some time. So let me give you real quick three questions for you to reflect on, that if you and I could have coffee, you know what I would say? I would say you need to go home and this week spend a little time asking this. What are five things that went well in 2015? Five things that went well in 2015. Here's a second question. What are five things that you'd change or do differently in 2015? That if you could go back and do those again. See, we all can come up with five things that went well. Oh, well, this was great or this was good. And then come up with five things that didn't go so well. And then here's the third question. What are five things that you want to accomplish in 2016? If you and I can have coffee, this is the kind of stuff that I would share with you. I would say, listen, there's power in gaining clarity learning from the past and applying it to the future. What are the five things you want to accomplish this year? I'm a big goal setter. In 2015, I set 14 goals and I hit nine of them. And I'm pretty excited about the nine that I hit. And it was fun for me this week to go back and reflect on those. For 2016, I'm at 33 goals and counting already. Bring it. And I'm going to accomplish 29 to 31 of those for sure. You know why? Because I wrote them down. Like Habakkuk said, write the vision down. Why? So that you can run with it, so you can make progress on it. If you and I could have coffee, uh, the first thing I would say is, listen, there's power and cloudiness and clarity. Here's the second thing I would share with you. If you and I could have coffee, I would tell you that mountains and valleys are bound to come. If you and I could have coffee and sit down for a few minutes, I would say, you know what? Mountains and valleys in your life are going to come. That without a valley, there can be no mountain. And the depth of a valley determines the height of a mountain next to it. When we think about the life and ministry of Jesus, if, if we were having coffee, one of the things I would ask you is, when you think about the life and ministry of Jesus, here, here's time on earth, what are two of the highest mountaintop experiences that you can think of? And if you know anything about Jesus uh, in his teachings in his life, 
I, I guarantee you in the top of your list would be the feeding of the 5,000 and walking on water, right? Like those two things, like he took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people. Like that's a mountaintop experience, baby. It's awesome. And he walked on water and nobody's ever done that before. Awesome, right? Like when you and I think about the life and ministry of Jesus, those are two mountaintop experiences. But let me ask you a question. Do you know what happened right before that? Because, see, those two things happened on the exact same day. And, and even we preachers, when we teach those, like, we'll preach on, you know, the feeding of the 5,000, and we'll teach on, you know, walking on water, okay? And we teach them as isolated incidents. But do you know what happened right before Jesus fed 5,000 and did that incredible mountaintop experience, that miracle, and then he walked on water? You know what happened? Well, King Herod, the Bible says, was throwing this big party and he started drinking and he got a little tipsy and he got drunk. And so uh, in his drunkenness, he looked at, at this woman near him and he said, ask for anything and I'll give it to you up to, half, up to half the kingdom. And so she was mad at John the Baptist, who was one of Jesus's, you know, his cousin and one of his best friends. And she said, fine, you know what I want? I want John the Baptist's head on a platter at this party. And so the king, you know, reluctantly is like, man, I got to come good on this. And so the mom asked the daughter to tell the king about John the Baptist. And I want his head on a platter. So look at this, Matthew 14, verse 9. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and because his, of his dinner guests, so in other words, because there's all these people around at this party, he doesn't want to lose, lose credibility. He ordered that her request be granted and had John the Baptist beheaded in the prison. Verse 11. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Okay, that's kind of gross over coffee. Sorry about that. But look what happens next. Then... John's disciples, they went and told Jesus. One of Jesus' best friends was beheaded. Look at verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Like, he, like it wrecked him. This news wrecked him. And he just had to get away from everybody. And so he gets in this boat and he goes off to the solitary place. But that didn't last long. Look. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And do you know what verse 14 says? Verse 14 is the beginning of Jesus teaching those crowds, having compassion on them and teaching them all day, and them being hungry, and the disciples coming to Jesus and saying, hey, we've got to send them away. They don't have anything to eat. And then Jesus did the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And then as the sun was setting... He put his disciples in a boat. He dismissed the crowd. The disciples go out on the lake. A storm rolls in. And Jesus comes walking on the water. Here's the point. Two of the greatest mountaintop experiences in the life and ministry of Jesus on earth happened right after one of his closest friends and relatives was killed. My goodness, talk about highs and lows. That's unbelievable. 
And so if you and I could have coffee, you know what I would say to you? I would look across the table and I would say, listen, one of the things I learned in 2015 and have been learning for years is that when it comes to life, mountaintops and valleys are going to come. Mountaintops, highs and lows are going, and it doesn't, now listen, it doesn't mean we have to act in fear. It doesn't mean we change anything. It just means we have to be aware of that. I mean, my goodness, if you could look over the, the last year of my life, the journals, you know what you'd see? You'd see mountains right next to valleys. And oftentimes you'd see valleys right in the middle of mountains. And from the outside, it's like, dude, this is awesome. But internally, there's something going on. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Mountains and valleys. If you and I could have coffee, you know what I would tell you? I would tell you that mountains and valleys are just a part of life. Don't fear it. Just be aware of it so you don't get freaked out by it when it happens. If you and I could have coffee, number three, at some point in the conversation, I'd probably tell you that you better have an outlet or you'll go crazy. If you and I could have coffee, this would probably be about the moment during our little coffee time where I would actually stand up. And anybody who knows me know that I'll do that. Like, there's times, like, I'll be talking, and I'll just stand up, I'll go behind him. I'm like, no way, dude. Like, for real. Like, that's just how I do. Like, I, just, I can't sit still for a long time, and I can't be serious for a long time. So here's the deal. You've got to have healthy outlets. If you and I can have coffee, I would sit down with you, and I would, we would we'd talk about this. Here's why. Because in, in the, the pace of life, in the scale of life, in everything that's going on in your and my life, here's, here's the deal. Healthy outlets are the only way to stay sane. Like, I have a wife. I have two boys. One is 15, one is 12, and they are going on 24 and 21 most days, it feels like. And then I lead Next Level Church. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm like the lead pastor guy of this thing. Next Level, there's a lot going on there. And then in addition to that, we have Next Level Coaching, which is our pastors and churches coaching that we do with pastors and churches all across the country. And we create groups and we just want to pour in. We love pouring in. If you're called to pour in to other churches across the country. And then there's advanced leadership, which is now our business leader stuff that we do, where we just want to build bridges into the business community by teaching principles and helping them uh, grow better organizations and be better leaders. And we feel like that's a bridge that God's given us to, to bring the gospel to the business community in that way. And so, so I don't know about you, but I got a lot going on. And here's what I think. I think we all do. And here's a little news flash. If you and I could have coffee, you know what? I would probably say to you, 2016, guess what? It's not going to slow down. It's only going to get busier and crazier and faster. And so here's the deal. If you and I don't have healthy outlets in our life, then guess what? We will eventually turn to unhealthy outlets in our life. Because we need a pop-off valve we got to have a moment in time where, where we, we have, a, have a release of some kind of the pressure that builds up in our life. And if you and I could sit down, sit down, Matt. You're disrupting everybody else in the restaurant. Gosh. <laughs> Sorry. If you and I could have coffee, I would say to you, listen, if you don't develop the discipline of healthy outlets, guess what? You will eventually turn to unhealthy outlets because you have to have a, a pop-off valve. One of the things that I love to say, and I've been now quoted as saying often around leaders, is that I hobby well. That, it, In other words, if you followed me around for 30 days, which you think would be fun, 
it's probably not as fun as you think, and it's probably more annoying than I think. So <clears throat> you're still there, still following me around. You learn anything? I don't know what you're doing, but let's go. Hey, listen, if you follow me around for 30 days, here's what I think you'd find. What I think you'd discover is I hobby well. I have a lot of hobbies. I like to fish. I like to golf. I like to watch baseball. Okay, listen, we need hobbies. You know what a hobby is? A hobby is anything you can't turn into a job. Well, work's my hobby. No, it's not. Work's your job. And if you don't figure out how to hobby, you're going to find an unhealthy hobby, and that's going to destroy your family. So let's figure this out. Yeah, hey, you wanted to have coffee. I didn't call this meeting. You did. <laughs> don't, don't be all mad at me being all like this in your chair when I get up in your business a little bit. You wanted it. More to drink? <laughs> we got to hobby well. We got to learn how to hobby well. What's your hobby? We got to learn how to turn it off. Turn it off. Listen. When do you, when do you, listen. When are you taking your vacation? Well, I just never get her. Okay, listen. You know what I teach my organizations? Here's what I teach. Listen. Our team, I say this. Guys, listen. Vacation is not a reward for showing up. Vacation is a necessity. It's not optional. It's oxygen. Because... Over the course of a year, this is a 52-week marathon. And if we are not strategically building in moments of rest, then we're going to burn out. Because we're, we're going hard, man. So when do, you, when do you vacation? When do you take time off? When do you turn it off? When do you turn the phone off? <gasps> what? But if I'm not on Snapchat, like every 22 minutes, what will they think? Snapchat, stop it. Stop with the Snapchat, okay? It's good. Guess what? Put your phone in another room. But what if someone needs me? They don't. You're good. You're good. You're not that important. Turn it off. Yeah, but here's some of you. This is what it's going to look like if you turn off your phone. Really? Turn it off? Turn it off like 2005? Yeah. Yeah. You'll be fine. There's a whole world. You want to Snapchat? Look me in the eyes for 20 seconds. Come on. Right here. Right here. Right here. Most important thing going on right here. Put the phone down. I don't want to talk to the top of your head. I want to talk to you. Anyway, parents, you're welcome. <laughs> it's my healthy outlet. No, it's your unhealthy obsession. Well, let's close in prayer. That got awkward. And, and listen, here's, here's the deal. We got to have healthy outlets, okay? I, I'm a big, I, I am a huge proponent of journaling, okay? I just, I am. And I know some of you men, you're like, oh, journal, oh, paper, pen, oh, brr, ah, no, feelings, emotions. Okay, here's the deal. A, a, a few weeks ago, one of the things we do uh, with our, our staff is um, from time to time, we will bring in other pastors from around the city to, on a Monday to teach our staff and just spend an afternoon with our team and just pour into them and teach them. So a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Ryan Deaton, who pastors Life Church, which is right down the road on Plantation Road from our Plantation campus, 
Uh, and Pastor Ryan and I have been friends for 12, almost 13 years now, uh, and just, just love that guy and love their church. And so we invited Pastor Ryan to come. And so when he was teaching our staff on that afternoon, one of the things he talked about was he was talking about how to keep your soul healthy. And so he said, he, he was talking about journaling, and he said, listen, one of the main reasons why I journal is so that I can process my emotions before my emotions run away with themselves. And I was like, oh my goodness, there's so much there. Okay, listen, church, we got to get that. One of, the, one of the most powerful things about journaling is it gives us a space where we can process our emotions before they run away with themselves. And we all know what I'm talking about, right? You start feeling something and maybe you don't even realize it, but it just starts building up and building up and building up. And all of a sudden you're mad at your wife or you're mad at a coworker or you're angry at your kids or whatever. Okay, listen, having a journal gives us the ability to process some of that stuff in real time before it starts to overwhelm us and, and become big. We start making mountains out of molehills and it's just not necessary. That's why I love journaling. That's why we soap around here because it's an opportunity for, for me to slow down every morning and say, God, I'm slowing myself down enough that I can actually hear your voice speak to me. That's the power of soap. That's why we talk about it all. That's why we have the soap guides every quarter. That's why we do this. Why? So that you and I can have healthy outlets for our life. If you and I could have coffee, that's what I would tell you. Here's the fourth thing. Number four, if you and I could have coffee, I would tell you that, listen, you can either lift your own lid or God will do it for you. I w- we would talk about lids. That if you and I could have coffee and talk about the things we learned in 2015 that I think can help you in 2016... I would talk about lids. See, here's the deal. We all have a couple of areas or lids in our life that are, that are going to, to work against us in terms of reaching our full potential in this coming year. We all have a picture when we zoom forward in the next year and go, man, I want my life to be that. Financially, I want to be here. Professionally, I want to be there. Success-wise, I want to be there. Okay, well, listen. All of us have a couple of areas or lids, things, that are going to work against that desire that's in our heart. And some of those lids, we know what they are, but some of them, we don't know what they are. Some of us were like, yeah, I know I'm, I get, I have the tendency to get angry or, you know, I'm impatient at work or, you know, I kind of like being in the know. I'm kind of a gossip or, you know, I'm disorganized or yeah, you know, I got this pride streak or this insecure thing that raises its ugly head every once in a while. Okay. Here's the deal. Some of them we know, but some of them we don't know. Those are called blind spots, lids that have the potential to hold us back. And here's the deal. God loves you exactly as you are, but he is not content to leave you there. God's not going to allow us to stay the same this year and get to where we're called to go. It's an oxymoron. It it, it just can't happen that way. So either we get about lifting our lids or God does. There's this really cool story where Jesus is kind of getting all up in the business of these Pharisees, these kind of these wise guy religious leaders in his day. And Jesus is getting in their face and confronting them. And here's what he says. I love this. Matthew chapter 21, verse 42. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And he's talking about himself. He's basically going, listen, you guys keep rejecting me as the Messiah. What you don't realize is the stone you're rejecting is actually going to be the the linchpin to the whole deal. The chief cornerstone, the whole building is going to be built upon this one stone, me. He said, but you guys keep rejecting me, but I'm actually the thing you're looking for. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in his eyes. Verse 43, look, he says to the Pharisees, Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. And that's what's happened. 
God took the, the kingdom of God away from those religious guys and he gave it to what we now know as the local church. And here we are 2,000 years later still bearing fruit for him for the gospel's sake because of this moment, right? Like it's awesome, okay? And then he says this to the Pharisees. I love this. This is what the application comes for what we're talking about over coffee. Anyone who falls on the stone, speaking of himself, will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. In other words, he says, listen, God's going to make you into his image. And when it comes to that, you really have two options. Either you fall on the stone and allow it to break your heart, break you, and make you better into Jesus' image, or the stone falls on you and it crushes you. So watch this. In terms of you and I, if we could have coffee, here's what I would tell you. I would say, listen, God wants to make you more into his image this year than you can possibly imagine. But there's only two ways for that to happen. Either you can fall on the stone and let him break you and rebuild you into him, his image, or he will arrange circumstances for the stone to fall on you and you'll be crushed. And some of us know what it is to go through that. And it's painful and it's difficult and it's awful. So what choice will you make? Which one will you, will you choose? If, if you and I could have coffee, I would tell you, listen, get courageous. Start inviting other people around you to speak into those blind spot areas. Start with your spouse or your kids or a coworker that you trust and say, hey, listen, I can't see what I can't see. But the people who are best equipped to point out and notice our blind spots in our life are the people who are riding in the car with us. Not the person standing on the side of the road or the person in the semi driving next to you. It's the person in your car. The problem is most of us are too insecure and lack courage to actually look at those people near us and say, hey, help me be better. Help me see what I can't see. Why? Because there is a potential God has for me and I don't want to miss any of it. I talk about that in my book, The Key to Everything where I talk about feedback and asking for it, seeking out feedback. I think it's such a powerful, powerful principle. And if you and I could have coffee, that's what I would share with you. I would say, listen, you got to know what your lids are and you got to have a plan for lifting them. And then here's the fifth thing I would share. If you and I could have coffee, at the end of the day, I would tell you that it's me and Jesus. There would be a moment if you and I could have coffee where I would look at you and I would say, you know what? I get a question. How are you and Jesus? How's it going? See, here's what I know. I know that the only thing that can get us through a year at all, any year, is Jesus. We got to stay tight with Jesus this year. Because truthfully, let's be honest, none of us, none of us know what 2016 will hold. Every single one of us are going to experience some pretty awesome high mountains. And every one of us are going to experience some pretty low valleys. And whatever you're anchored to will determine how well you go through it. See, my friend Danny uh, and I, when we go out fishing, we have, a, we have a, a special specific fishing hole that we love to go to. And I would tell you where it is, except that those of you who fish would find it and you'd bogart all of our fish and we'd be angry at you. But here's the deal. <clears throat> it's, it's, this is, it's near like this, this channel and where big, fast boats come through. And so oftentimes, Danny and I will go out and we'll, we'll anchor down, but one of the problems is the fish is, is great, 
But the problem is when those big boats come flying through there, there are big waves that come and they hit, they hit the boat. And so whenever they do, Danny and I are always like, wave coming, you know, heads up, wave, you know, for two reasons. One, to make sure the other guy doesn't fall overboard because that messes up an afternoon of fishing. And two, because that's when the anchor is likely to get pulled up. And so there have been so many times where we'll position the boat just right in the right place with the wind and the whole deal. And we're right on top of this fishing hole. But then a big boat will come through and these big waves will hit. And two or three waves will come through at the same time. And when they do, it'll pull up on that anchor. And before you know it, we've drifted off of our spot where we want to be. And then another big boat will come and we'll drift a few more feet off of the spot where we want to be. And, another, and before you know it, we've got to start the engine again and pull the whole thing up and drive back to the spot where we want to be. Why? Because our anchor moved. And see, here's what I think. I think the same thing is true in our life. What are you anchored to? Because as long as you're anchored to your career, as long as you're anchored to money or possessions or the car you drive or a relationship or some, something about your self-image or yourself, as long as our anchor is tethered to any of that, that anchor is not strong enough to hold us when the big waves come. We need, a, we need a better anchor. Look at what Hebrews says. I love this verse. Hebrews chapter 6. We have this hope. It's an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. That hope is Jesus. If you and I could have coffee, I would look you in the face and I would ask you the question, how are you in Jesus? Because none of us know what 2016 is going to bring. And only one thing is going to make sure we get through it. And that is our relationship with Christ. So come on next level. Before we finish our coffee, let's pray together. If you and I could have coffee, I would most definitely close in prayer. Which, which one or two of these is for you? Which one do you need to just grab a hold of and say, that's, that one was for me. That, that, that's for me. That's a lesson I need to apply in 2016. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity we have to pause at the beginning of a new year, reflect on what you've done in 2015, gain some insights and some wisdom from a friend, from a leader we respect and listen to. And Lord Jesus, right now in this moment, I pray for every single person this weekend. God, I pray you would help us to stay tethered to you, the true anchor of our soul. Jesus, you've made a way where there is no way. God, you have provided grace and mercy to give us access to you. And we're thankful for that. We're not worthy of that, but we're sure thankful for it. And so, Lord, I pray for my friends today. I pray for each and every one. Jesus, I pray that we would take these lessons, apply the wisdom and truth from them, from your word, and be different and better because of it. Jesus, 2016 is a year of tremendous opportunity and potential. And God, we don't want to miss one thing you have for us. So Lord, I pray that you would bless us this year. May this be the best year of our lives because we've stayed anchored and tethered to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody in all of our services who agreed said, 
If your life has been impacted through this ministry, we would love to hear your story. Send us an email to mystory@nextlevelchurch.com. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. Also, if you want to support what God is doing here, you can do so through our website, nextlevelchurch.com. Your generosity is making an impact here and around the world. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great week.